All right. I thought we had another song. So glad you're here tonight. Glad you're here to worship. This has been a huge day for so many folks in our congregation. Obviously, we had worship service this morning and lots of folks here. Lots of folks are in small groups tonight. But in between then, this afternoon, right after the, the second worship service, a man by the name of Larry Ty was baptized. He came forward at second service and was baptized later in the afternoon, and that was great. And there was a big meeting that many of our elders and deacons and staff and ministry leaders have been at. And so this, there is a lot going on, which is a good thing. I talked to a, a friend of mine one day, and I said, so tell me about your congregation. I said, so what do you do? I said, you preach on Sunday and and after that, I guess you preach, you teach on Wednesday night, and is there a lot going on, or is that kind of what you do? He said, well, that's what I do. What do you do? Well, this is an active church. This is a place that so many things are happening, and it's all happening to the glory of God. And I'm glad you're here this evening. This is kind of the end of the day for some, for some of us, not for all of us, but for some of us. And this is a time that we give just for a few minutes. We look back at 1 Peter and we think about hope for the future. And tonight we think about those living stones, which you'll find that verse of living stones. We're not going deep into this tonight, but we are going to look at a little bit of it. You may remember from last week we talked about that there are expectations for saved people. If you are one that calls yourself saved, there is an expectation for you. It is not just as if you can say, I'm saved and that's it. And really, probably, if you were to go out on the street and find people who said that they believed in God and said, are you saved? Probably the majority of people would say yes, even though, well, do you, do you have a spiritual life? No, but I'm saved. Do you, do you, do you ever go to church? Is kind of the phrase sometimes people use. No. But there is an expectation, and some of this you see in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 1, verse 22, says, Now that you have been pure, that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Now you remember the great commission to go into all the world, but then there are also the great commands, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, might, with everything. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. There are a lot of people that claim to love God with all their heart that do not love their neighbors as themselves. And so part of that expectation for saved people is now that you're saved, now that you're purified, you will love. You will care about other people. You will love them and from the heart, not something that's just lip service, but from the heart. And I can't grow in the Lord, however, when my focus is on myself. If all I'm doing is thinking that way, I can't grow. I need to come back and give you a scripture for that. So, so 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since you are saved, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so, <coughs> excuse me, so that you may cough, so that you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is part of that expectation that comes that if I am going to be in God, if I'm going to say that I'm saved, if I'm going to say that I'm purified, then there are things that I'll do. I'll get rid of the malice, this bad feeling and ill will that I have toward people. I'll get rid of deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. 
And instead, I'll be like a little baby that doesn't even think about that, a little baby that can't be jealous of others, can't be deceitful, can't be envious, but instead just crave what is good and pure and what comes from the Lord so that I can grow in my salvation. It doesn't mean I'm more saved, but it means I'm growing in the state of salvation. And I cannot, as I said just a minute ago, I can't grow in the Lord when my focus is all on myself. If all I'm doing, and all those things, malice and deceit, what all was in that list, malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander, those are all sins that happen because I am worried about myself. And I want to get you back for what you did to me. And I'm envious of you for what you have and I don't have. And you probably cheated to get it. And I make up some story in my head about why you have and I don't have. And so all these things, that, well, I can't grow in the Lord whenever I'm focused on you and, and problems I have with you. Instead, what I have to do is focus on God and put God first and say, Lord, I'm focused on worshiping you and honoring you and putting you first. You see, we are different than the world in that we are supposed to be different. Most of us probably don't like to be different than other people. I can tell you, I don't always like to be different. You may want to wear the same clothing line that somebody does. If you do, or the same shoes popular people do, that's fine. There's anything wrong with that. As long as you don't do it out of the wrong reason for doing that. We are supposed to be different. What he's speaking of specifically is that we are different in our morals. We are different in our faith. From the rest of the world. But wow, it's sometimes isn't it difficult to stand out? To stand out at work and be known as that goody two-shoes, to be known as that freak that just, you know, loves everything Christian, but nothing, nothing that is is different. And so sometimes we find ourselves not even wanting to tell someone that we love Jesus. We tell we don't even want people to know. We want our Facebook profile to be something that's neutral that no one realizes who we are and what we are. We don't want them to know that they're church friends. We just want people to know they're friends. We, were, we are supposed to be different. We are supposed to stand out. Because let me tell you, if we live like everybody else, we will die like everybody else. Because you remember what Jesus said, that narrow is the way that leads to salvation. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. And if we live like the wide, we are going to die like those on the wide way. If we live like those on the narrow way, we will live like those on the narrow way. Not because of what we're doing, but because we are on God's way and on his, what he wants. Now we come to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. Powerful little passage here. For Peter says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, as you come to him, the one who is the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built on a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, if we were like in Bible class, we would spend like an hour on just this little passage of Scripture. 
but we're not. And some of you don't eat before you come on Sunday evening. And so we're going to go through this fairly quickly, okay? <clears throat> His point is that Jesus is the capstone and he is the foundation. That Jesus is that. That he is this great stone. That we are stones than on the foundation. We are not the foundation, that's Jesus. But we are stones, a house, <coughs> excuse me, a house being built on Jesus. Some of you remember that game, I think it's called Jenga, right? Where you stack things and you got to pull out the pieces and you don't want it to, the whole, whole tower to fall. And so you pull out this piece and you pull out that piece and this piece and you go back and forth. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. So this is next 30 seconds, a little nap, check ESPN for a minute. Okay. And then you can come back. So as you pull out those pieces, you're trying to make the house not fall. But what you realize is every piece is really important. On a rock wall, for example, if it's made of big stones, you can cut out this rock and you can cut out that one and that one. But if you take too many of those, the whole wall collapses. The Jenga tower collapses and you lose the game and then you got to pick up all the pieces. He says, we are that house that is built on Jesus. We are precious, every single one of us, like we talked about this morning. Every person has value, all of us. All of us are important. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your economic background is. Every one of us are precious and built on Jesus. So we don't want to build our own house. We want to be in the house that belongs to Jesus. We know Jesus is great, but others reject him. What I really find that a lot of people do, even us sometimes, is we try to create God, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, God in our image, right? So then I can say I love God, I love Jesus, but really what I love is a Jesus that looks like me. I love a God that looks like me. And so a lot of people have done that, and then they say, oh, yes, I love God. But really? Is this really what you love? Do you really love this God that the Bible talks about, or do you love a God that you have invented? And so a lot of people reject the Jesus that we know of from the Bible. They reject the one who we stand for and who stands for us. The Bible goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, 7 and 8, Now to you who believe... <clears throat> this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. They stumble because they stumble over Jesus. They don't understand how important Jesus is and they miss it. <clears throat> Excuse me. You all really want me to finish fast, don't you? Because I keep coughing. This makes me think of a story of people who, who reject something. They don't know what it is. It makes me think of a story I read. A preacher told a story that whenever he was in, in high school, he worked for a, a summer for Brink, the Brinks Truck Company. You know, the Brinks that go around with the armored cars. And so his job at the summer was just filling the trucks and, <coughs> and doing some, some simple things. 
And one day, while he's at work, it's just him and his manager there, they get a call from the Bank of America in their town, and they said, we are running way low on change. We need you to bring $25,000 of change right away. So the manager says, yes, sir, we'll be right there. And he gets off the phone and he says to the kid, we've got to take $25,000 worth of change down to Bank of America. We've got to hurry. And the kid who knew the schedule said, we don't have any armored cars available. They're all out. He said, I've got my 49 Chevy pickup. We'll just put it in my pickup and we'll take it down there. He said that it weighed about a ton, this change did. So they said it went all the way down on the springs and they drove through their town, all the way through town, finally getting to the Bank of America. And the guy said, here, you stand here and I'll go in and see if we can get people to help us take it in. He said, I thought, I don't have a gun and I'm standing here by $25,000. But everybody just thought it was an old pickup going through town. No one understood what was in that pickup. You know what I'm talking about there? And now you know what I'm talking about with Jesus? People think there you are in your old stuffy churches. There you are with all those rules, all those demands on your time. People want you to give your money away when you could be with us at the lake. Don't you understand what you're missing? And you say, oh, you have no idea what you're missing. You don't have any idea the kind of life that we have because we are in Christ. The number of families that I have known over the years, including my own, who has gone through some kind of tragedy or sickness, would never want to leave a church because the church surrounds those people with prayer and with lasagna and with gift cards, and they take care of them in a way that is hard to explain. And if you have never had that, you don't get it. But if you have had it, you go, wow, this is incredible. Why would I ever want to be anywhere else do anything differently than be a part of a loving body of Christians to be a part of the body of Christ? Why would I want to do anything different than that? Other people reject this great capstone. They reject Jesus, but we stay faithful to Jesus Many people we know reject Jesus in one way or another. Most people in our country, at least to this point, don't just out and out reject Jesus. But many people do. Many people say, Jesus is not who I follow. I went when I was a kid. I've heard bad stories. Maybe bad stories happened to them. And so they have rejected Jesus because they have rejected something bad of someone who acted inappropriately in the name of Jesus. And so they have rejected Jesus. They disobey Jesus. Our hope, our assurance is in Jesus. Everything is on Jesus. And so don't reject Jesus. Even if Christians do wrong things and bad things and sinful things, don't reject Jesus. He is more sick about it than you are because it was done in his name. The last thing you would want is someone to sin in your name. It's the last thing Jesus would want is someone to sin in his name. And people reject and they turn away and decide that they know better than he does, which leads me to my final point tonight. Why would I want to act like people that reject 
Jesus. Why would I want to act like them? I probably shared this story. I know I did a long time ago about two boys, Billy and Tommy. This is a good friend of mine who's a minister has told this story. I've heard him tell it many times about two of his friends. And there was a, a children's home. It was, it was supported by Churches of Christ, a children's home back 40 years ago. And a little boy lived there by the name of Billy. And Billy was a pretty good kid. He was accepted at school by everybody. And, and, and during the summer months, one year, another little boy came in. They were both like in fourth or fifth grade. This other boy comes in named Tommy. Tommy comes in. Tommy is a big, messy kid and never ties his shoes and his hair's never combed. And he's sloppy and big. And, but Billy doesn't know the difference. And they play together and have a great time like kids would. And, and, and everything's great. They play together every day. As a matter of fact, they become best friends. And now it's time for school to start. And summer, summer's over. And the school bus comes. And they're at the school bus stop waiting. And so whenever they get on the bus, immediately kids start looking at Tommy. And they start laughing about Tommy. He's big and sloppy. And they're already thinking thoughts. Well, during the day that day, it's rough on Tommy. People are saying things about him. People are making fun of him. And they don't want him to be on their team. And Billy, you know, everybody likes him. And before the day is over, there is a chant that's going on against Tommy. And Billy even enters in on the chant against Tommy. Well, later, whenever they get to the bus stop, on the way home, they're in the bus on the way back to the children's home. And when they get off the bus, Billy jumps off first. He doesn't want anybody to know he's connected to Tommy. And so as Billy is trying to hurry as fast as he can, Tommy, without his shoes tied in a mess, gets off the bus and he's yelling up at Billy, Billy, I still love you. I still love you, Billy. And so as my friend tells the story, because he was a friend of Billy's, he says that day changed his life. Because he under, started to understand the love of Jesus. So we reject Jesus. And Jesus said, I still love you. I still love you. I'm not turning on you. Even if you run from me, I'm going to run after you. I want you. I want a relationship. So tonight we come to this one who is the living stone. And this one that we can be built upon. He is our foundation. And we say we have nowhere else to go. We want to be solidly connected to you, the living stone. So tonight, if you need to be baptized into Jesus, there is no better place to go than to Christ in baptism and have your sins washed away and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and to be a part of his house and for others of us. Maybe we need to just recommit ourselves. Maybe we need help of everybody, but just recommit ourselves in prayer privately and say, Lord, take me back. I do not want to reject you. I want everyone to know that I love you and I know you love me and I will not abandon you. Come tonight as we stand and sing.